Turn with me to a couple of openings here. Uh, John chapter 10 and 2 Corinthians 9. John chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 9. In uh, John the 10th chapter, John chapter 10 and verse 10, John 10, 10 says, The thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. If something stole something out of your life, if something killed something in your life, destroyed something in your life, do you believe the word enough to acknowledge that it wasn't your good father that did it? Hmm? If you do, you're ahead of millions of church-going people. I know that seems like a very obvious thing, having read this verse, but there are millions of good church-going people that believe in Jesus, believe in God, but they're confused about this. They think uh, that things that destroyed their life or stole things out of their life, they're attributing that to God. Millions of them. But Jesus, to me, made it crystal clear. And this is not the only verse. There are many, many just like this. The thief doesn't come unless he's coming to steal something or kill something or destroy something. But when Jesus comes, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to take something away from you. He said, I am come, why? That they might have life and if he had just said, I'm come that they might have life, that would have been shouting ground right there. But there needed to be an additional qualifier. Life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the word that's translated here, more abundantly, is an interesting word. We've been talking about it for some weeks now on our Friday night meetings. That it is the word, it's a Greek word. That literally means beyond. Uh, another definition is excessive. Another definition is super abounding or super abundant. Super. And uh, abundant is good. Super abundant is beyond abundant. Which is why the Amplified translates this verse this way. John 10.10, 10, the Amplified. Saying, Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Don't you like that? Amen. Have and enjoy. Hallelujah. You know, uh, years ago I heard this fellow tell. Of course, now he was telling somebody that had been in mission work decades before him. And he was older guy. So we're talking back in the day. Uh, uh, they had gone to an island out in the Pacific where some folks had not heard the gospel ever, very primitive living conditions, and preached the gospel, and a whole lot of them got saved. And they had a church, and they'd had a church for a while. But this missionary to that area, these folks had never had refrigeration, and so they had never had ice cream. And him being a great appreciator of ice cream thought that's just too bad so the next 
ship they had coming in there, he had them bring some. And they got it off the ship and got it to the island. Well, it ain't going to last long. So he had them all line up. And he scooped them out some. And they one by one came. And, and he got to one of his, uh, a lady he called a mother in the church. One of his best ladies and workers in the church. One of the ladies that lived the best and strongest and most faithful. And he got to her and she got that ice cream and. She took a big lick of it and, and threw it on the ground. And he said, oh, oh, sister, what, what did you do? Threw the ice cream on the ground. She said, anything tastes that good, have to be a sin. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a lot of folk feel that way. That if it was really, really enjoyable, it'd have to be wrong. Have to be a sin. But no, that's not true. God's not opposed to you enjoying anything or having any fun. He's opposed to things that will kill you and destroy you. And the wages of sin is death. And even though there might be some temporary pleasure in things that are wrong, afterward it's going to hurt you. As you're doing it and afterward, there is some temporary pleasure in some different kinds of sin but afterwards there is death and it costs you but there's a whole lot of things that are enjoyable they're not sin they're not bad they're not wrong the bible said that the lord has given us every good thing to enjoy in fact he is the life of the party you talk about partying we're going to learn how to party he's going to show us how <laughs> have it in abundance have it enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows this is a good rendering of the words here because you can't just stop at abundance it doesn't say it enough abundance is plenty enough we might say but this word indicates more than that it's enough Plus, it's abundance plus. One definition of the word is surplusage. <laughs> surplusage. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Superabundance. Enough and more. It has the idea, actually, the same word that's translated abundance is also translated over and above in the same New Testament. It's also translated enough and to spare. We use that phrase today, over and above. If I say, did you have enough? You said, no, we had over and above. Then you didn't just have plenty, you had surplus, surplus edge. And what you had left over was your surplusage. Look with me in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, please. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. I'm reading the NIV, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, you know, I've heard a number of people take us to task and say, people, myself and other folks that preach like we do, and say, you know, this sowing and reaping stuff, that's not even in the Bible. I've heard people say, I've heard people try to tell me that, you know, you keep talking about sowing and reaping. So that's not even in the Bible. You wonder what book they're talking about, right? Is this the Bible? Is this the New Testament? What example does he use to talk about giving? Verse six, let's read it again real, real carefully. Make sure we're not reading it wrong. Whoever what? Sows. Is this New Testament? Is he talking about giving in this chapter? Yeah. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He is talking about sowing and reaping, right? And verse 7. Each man should what? Give. Is he connecting sowing and reaping with giving? It's plain to me. Should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, which is also sowing. Right? You have people try to tell you, well, God doesn't care about this giving stuff. All he cares is that you love him and you believe in him. He doesn't care whether you give or not. Well, what would that say? God doesn't care. God doesn't care if you give or not. See, you got to watch. People come up with stuff that sounds in their mind like, well, you know, they picture God in a certain way and they've imagined he's this or that. And a whole lot of times they've imagined he's like they are. Right? They think, well, you know, me and God, we're like this. I mean, you know. We really think a whole lot to say. Well, that'd be nice, but it ain't necessarily so. We need, you need, I need major mind renewal so that we do start to think like he does. But we won't think like him just because we want to imagine we do. Thank God for this book. You need to feed on it. You need to read your chapter. Anybody reading your chapter around here? You know, Phyllis is talking about the new uh, reading bookmarks and cards. Uh, If you don't have one, get it. And we'll read a chapter every day, Monday through Friday, together as a church. So we're literally on the same page. And we're thinking the same thoughts that day and seeing the same truths and principles. And this time uh, next year, we will all have read the New Testament through in its entirety. And it'll do more for you than so many things we could even talk about. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And this is a big part of it, that as you seriously, respectfully read and listen to what he said, you can begin to have your mind changed so that you actually start. What are God's words? It's his thoughts. And as you think his thoughts after him, you really do start to think like him. (laughs) How many think this is an amazing concept that you and I actually begin to see things and think like 
the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's why he gave us this book. So that we could take his thoughts and ponder them. But you know you have to watch about things that a lot of people have embraced. And think sounds good and right and religious to them. But it actually contradicts God's thoughts. No, God loves a cheerful giver. So he don't care whether you give or not. Well, that's somebody's idea, but that's not this. This said he loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound. That's that word we see in John 10 for abounding in abundance. Abound to you. And what does this surplusage power do for you? It causes you to have in all things and at all times having all you need and enabled to what? Abound. Abound is not just enough, it's enough plus. It's over and above ability for every good work. Is surplus God's will for you and for me? That's the first thing to get this established. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what the Lord said. While we keep going over, you know, I know we read these scriptures already before. Anybody been with us before? You've heard these verses already how many times now? Several. And you're going to hear it some more. Because it's not just logging information in your head that gets the job done. You have to hear it and hear it till the light comes on. Till you begin to believe this is God's will. It's not an intellectual agreement. It's a heart faith. You don't believe God with your intellect. Romans 10 says, for with the heart man believes. That's not your physical blood pump. You can't believe God with your physical heart any more than you can believe God with your lung or your liver or your kidney. Heart is the core of your being, your inside. We use that language all the time, heart of a watermelon. That's the part I always eat out. Heart of an oak or a pine. Well, the heart of you is what you believe God with, your core of your being. And are you being persuaded and becoming even more persuaded that surplus, surplusage is God's will for me? Come on, say it out loud. Surplus, Surplus is God's will, is God's will for, me. for me. Look in Ephesians, the third chapter, please. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'm going to read the Amplified. Ephesians 3, 20, Amplified. He says, Now unto him who by and in consequence of the action of his power that's at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly, far over and above. Is this the kind of God we have? If he is a super abundant, above and beyond God, what is his will for us? A super abundant, above and beyond God, his will for you is going to be super abundant, above and beyond. Well, then how did the church become convinced that subsisting, squeaking by, barely making it, not making it, 
always being tight, continuously coming short and not having enough, how is that the perfect will of God? Should we accept it? And say, well, this this must be the will of God. Because this is how it's been. This is how mom and them was and how their folks were. You just do the best you can do. (laughs) How do we ascertain the will of God? By what other people are experiencing? By what we ourselves have experienced? By what other people have experienced? No. How do you ascertain the will of God? The Word of God. And friend, if we'll put ourselves in this Word and be open-minded and respect it on a regular basis, we will see things and see conditions and see His plan and will that we are not yet experiencing. We'll read it and we'll go, whoo, that's good. But I ain't there. <laughs> Man, that's great, but that's not what I've been experiencing. And at that point, you got a choice. I said, at that point, you got a choice. You can get all religious. And you can get all heady. And you can get all walking beside. And you can let others explain it to you. Or you can do it yourself. Water down this word to match your lack of experience. And explain it away. It's all passed away. It's not for us nowadays. On and on and on. Number of reasons why. Even though it's in there. You don't have it. And you're not going to have it. Because somewhere or another it's not God's will. And you just never know. Or. You can be some of the brave. The few. (laughs) What? Believers. Believers that will say, I know I hadn't had that yet. I know I ain't been living like that. But if it's in here, it's right. And Lord, I'm saying, lift me up. Lift me up from where I am. Raise me up so that my life matches this. So that I experience this. A lot of people don't do it because it requires effort. You got to be willing to step up, step out, do things that other people don't do. Hold on to it, even if you don't see it for years. But that's also the kind of people that get miracles, that get amazing things happening in their life that other people will never experience. In case you didn't know it, you have come to such a church as that. (laughs) We actually believe these things. And we're going for him. And we're reaching for him. We believe he is the almighty who created the heavens and the earth. And there is nothing too hard for him to do. There's nothing impossible to him that believes. We believe in healings. Miracles. Financial miracles. We believe it. We're not just waving our hands and spitting. We actually believe this. (laughs) Our God, according to the power that's at work within us, He is able to do what? Super, abundantly, far, over, and above all that we ask or think. Glory to God. So never 
Have you tried to dream a little bigger and reach a little bigger and God said back to you, now you need to pipe down a little bit. (laughs) You have just stepped out too far here. Never has the Lord said, I know you wanted this one, but this is the best one I could find. And you just need to be happy with what you got. God is not an almost God. He's a too much God. He doesn't struggle to reach your expectations. He can far surpass and exceed super abundantly far over and above all that we ask or think. Beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. When you stand and you believe God and it's the thing that he's able to do in your life, you won't look at it and go, well, that's close. That's almost. No, no. You'll look at it and go, Ephesians 3.20. This is above and beyond what I was thinking about. This is bigger. This is better. This is greater. That's what God does over and over again. Can you say amen? Now in our previous ministry on this subject we've talked about how that we saw three different levels of living amongst God's people that he brought out of Egyptian bondage in Egypt they didn't have enough not enough living when he brought them through uh, the wilderness they experienced just enough living day to day we might say month to month living check to check living But even though that was supernatural and spectacular and it's far better than not having enough, God had something else for him, didn't he? He had another level of living, Canaan land living, which was more than enough. He said it's a land where you won't have scarcity of anything. And the description of it is just wonderful, prosperous, abundant living, more than enough living. And if you weren't with us, let me encourage you. Go get the materials. Go download them offline. Get you the DVDs, CDs. Won't cost you anything. Catch up with us. Do you believe it'll help you to build these truths into your spirit? To to feed your faith. Get your mind changed. Get your believing changed. More in line with what he said. Because the first step of this is you have to believe it's his will. For us to have surplus. To not just eat by all the time. Well, if it's his will that we have surplus... We need to back up then if we're persuaded of that. The next part is, why don't we have it? If it's his will that we have surplus, uh, then if he's able to do it and it's his will for us to have it, then the problem's not on his end. We need to find out what the hindrances are. And that's going to be on our end. And we've already covered some things. One of the first things that we covered is We must put him first. We can't love money and stuff or houses and cars more than we love him. We mustn't love our plan and our plans more than we love his plan. We must seek him first. And all these things would be added. We talked some about tithing and some about putting him first. Secondly, we must obey him, trust him enough to obey him in our sowing, 
in our working, in our investing. You know, we saw where he told uh, Jacob to stay in a certain place and sow in a certain place. And it did not look like a good place to stay or to invest. But he reaped a hundredfold in the same year and prospered and experienced surplus. So you need to put him first. And you need to obey him as far as where you sow and when you sow and where you work and what you do. Uh, Trust him and obey him. But let's talk about a third component of this tonight. Look with me, please, in John, the sixth chapter. John, chapter six, and verse 12. This is the story of the great miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. You know what they wound up with? Way more than enough. They wound up with surplus. John 6 and verse 12 talks about it. John 6, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. And verse 13, therefore, they gathered them together and filled Twelve baskets. And if you look up the word. And look where this word is used in other places. This is a pretty good sized basket. This is not a little. You know. little This basket. It's either this size basket. Or a this size basket. But substantial. And they had how many of them? Twelve baskets. Full of the fragments. Of the five. But. Now, they only had five loaves. They had five. They didn't have 12 loaves. They had five loaves. And after approximately 10, 15,000 people, hungry people, that had been out there with him for days, have eaten until everybody's full and satisfied. Now they have left over. If they had five loaves left over, that'd be a miracle. (laughs) But they don't have five loaves. They got 12 baskets full of loaf pieces, fragments, which remained what? Come on, help me out. Remain what? That's the same word that you see in John 10 and other places. Over and above. Say over and above. Say it again, over and above. above. Say it again, over and above. above. I believe God's will is over and above. Over and above. above. You know how you can tell when you start believing this? You get excited. You just get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, over and above. (laughs) You just have this big smile on your face and people will say, what's the deal with them? What are you so happy about? You go, over and above? Over and above what? Every good thing. Over and above living. I'm coming out from eat by, squeak by, subsist to over and above. Over and above. Over and above. Somebody say over and above. Did the Lord ever do over and above stuff? 
has he changed? He never changes. Is his will different for you than for them? No. He hasn't changed. People change. People come up with goofy ideas. But he hasn't changed. Twelve baskets. Over and above. Now why did they have twelve baskets over and above? Twelve baskets surplusage. Why did they have it? Let me give you two big reasons why they had it. Number one. He miraculously multiplied the little boy's lunch. The seed that was sown. He miraculously multiplied it. Which is why they had it. Secondly is verse 12. Secondly they had it. Because they gathered it up. I said they gathered it up. When the Lord says, gather up the fragments, that's the pieces. Gather up the pieces that remain, that nothing be lost. You might say, why? These are bread pieces. And if you read this whole story, you'll see that people started following him around by the thousands after this. And at one point he tells them, you're not here just to be here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You're here because of the free food. (laughs) Now that's a Keith Moore paraphrase. But read these chapters. Read these couple of three chapters through here and see if that idea is not there. They just kept showing up. They thought, man, we got it made. We don't have to work. We just follow this guy around. And if we can find somebody with a couple of fish and a loaf of bread, we got it. We got it. We just get him to pray over it. And we got it made, man. See, we're thinking like that. Why would you gather the pieces? You wouldn't. If you're thinking, well, we'll just get him to make some more tomorrow. <laughs> why gather the pieces? This is why. A lot of folks haven't had surplus. God gave it to them. And they lost it. They didn't gather it. They did waste it. In order to have surplus. Number one we got to believe it's God's will. Also we need to put him first. We need to honor him. With our substance and our tithes and our first fruits of our increase. Secondly, we need to obey him. Go where he says go. Stay where he says stay. Sow where he says sow, right? Sow, give what he says sow and invest. That's, that's spiritual investment and natural investment. You need to be led by the Spirit. But now here's another side of it. If you will do the things we just got through describing... You will have, not might have, you will have more begin to come in. You believe it or not? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? All these things will be added to you. Do you believe you could count on the words of the head of the church? Then you're going to have an increased flow coming in. Not might, not sometimes. You 
will. But that alone does not ensure that you're going to wind up with surplus. Or that you're going to do well. Because no matter how much you got coming in. You can always have more than that. Going out. And the Lord can prosper you. And you can have huge amounts come in. Until you're a very wealthy person. And you can make two or three big dumb mistakes. And lose it all. And be in more debt than you're ever in. And have nothing. So having more come in is part of it. Not all of it. Not all of it. In order to experience surplus. Wisdom. Is a part. Can you say amen? The wisdom of God on this day said. Gather up. The pieces. And in responding to him. They wound up. With twelve baskets. Full. Surplus. Over and above. Because they did what he said. Can you say amen. Go with me please. Over to Proverbs. I tell you what. No just uh. You go to Luke 15 and they'll put this up on the screen for us. Up on the screen put Proverbs 21, 20. You're going to Luke 15. In order to live in a lifestyle of surplus, we're going to have to make some changes. And we have to be led. And we have to let his wisdom direct us and guide us so that we don't waste If we waste something on things we ought not put it on, then we're going to come short somewhere else. Hmm? Now, a lot of people don't like to hear these kind of things. They like to hear, give an offering, make a confession, everything will be wonderful the rest of your life. (laughs) But the other scriptures are true too, aren't they? And the truth is, we're going to have to be led every day of our life. We're not going to get to the place where we can just quote a verse and make a confession and never have to pray or never hear from God or never be led. And even though the Lord does great things for us and we get in better shape than we've ever been, the enemy will still be out there trying to lead us astray and steal from us and trip us up. And and if we get to where we're not paying attention and we're not listening to him, we can lose what he gave us. And I I know by the Spirit I'm talking to some people that have lost some things. Good news is your source is still there. He's not depleted. He can get you back where you were and better if, somebody say if, 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 if we will make some adjustments, make some changes. Listen this time. You're in Luke 15. Hold that place. The scripture says there's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of who? The wise. But a foolish man does what? Spins it up. The new King James says a foolish man squanders it. The Amplified says it like this, that the foolish man wastes it. Wastes it. 
waste. God is the God of abundance. He is the God of overflow. He is not the God of waste. Two different things. Two different things. In Luke 15, we see the story of the what we call the prodigal son. And we see that he asked the father, who's a type of God the Father, Jesus lets us know, for the inheritance that would be coming to him. And the father gave it to him. Freely, gladly. And the Bible said, Luke 15, verse 11, I'll just read the whole thing. A certain man had two sons. Younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. So far, there's no problem here. See, a lot of people think, that younger son, how dare he? Well, no, if this would have been wrong, the father could have and should have said something at that point and said, no, no, you just cool it, boy. When I leave here and the will is read, you'll get what's coming to you. Till then, you just relax. He could have told him that. He didn't. He certainly didn't have to go and put it in his accounts, did he? But he did. He divided it unto them, both boys, his living. And not many days after, the younger son drew all his out. (laughs) Here's where the problems start. Just having it was not the problem. Having overflowing accounts and abundance when you're young is also not a problem. Problem is what you're going to do with it. So he drew it all out and took him a journey into a far country. Why? You want to get away where nobody knows you? (laughs) Huh? Oh boy, I could meddle right there. (laughs) That's why a lot of people want to be far away. They don't want to be close. Because they don't want folks finding out what they're up to. And there, what did he do? He wasted his son. Well, it's his. Some say, well, it's not his. It is his. The father gave it to him. He wasted his substance with riotous living. We might say wild living. Verse 14. And when he had spent all, this boy was rich. Now he's totally broke. He spent all. There arose a mighty famine in that land. Talk about bad timing. At the same time, he loses everything he's got. The economy goes belly up too. And he began to be in want. He began to be in want. You know the rest of the story about how he was tempted to eat the pig's food. And he finally said, you know, what am I doing? My, the, the people that work for my dad eat good, live good. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back home. How many know that's the smartest thing he could have done? Yeah. A lot of times people's pride will keep them back, but that's just making it worse and harder. And, and you know the Bible said that his daddy, when he saw him coming, ran out to meet him, grabbed him, hugged him, pig stinking all, right? Threw a party for him. 
This is a perfect picture of our Heavenly Father. Well, let's don't separate the material parts of it from the love part of it. It all goes together. He gave to them this superabundance of provision. They've got more than enough. But this boy did what with his? How did he wind up where he's in want? Is it because it wasn't God's will for him to have extra? No. No. Is it because God didn't give him anything? God gave him, the Father gave him more than enough. Why is he now in want? Because he wasted what the Father gave him. He went to places he had no business being there. He was doing things he had no business doing. He was involved in things he had no business being involved with. And it was steadily sucking up his resources. Wasn't it? Until now he has wasted. Everything that he had was money he could have invested. Was money he could have sown into the kingdom. But he didn't choose to do that with it. I'm going to just pause right here. What if every one of us here, what if you and me had done the right thing with every dollar that's ever come through our hands? <laughs> every dollar from the time we were little kid until right now, every dollar, Mr. Elaine, a whole lot has come through. Oh, you might be surprised. And even though it might not be that much, if it had been invested the right way or done the right thing with it, you had either put it into the kingdom or you invested it into some kind of good investment, where would you and I be tonight? We would be in a very different place financially and materially. Do you believe it or not? No question about it. No question about it. The people that are in a better condition have listened some. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And some better than others. But don't say it's God's will for you to be in lack and not have enough. Don't say it. It's not true. Be like this son saying, Father, you, you didn't give me anything. The older son did tell him you didn't give me anything. It turned out to be a complete lie. Falsehood. He said everything I got is yours. Why you say such a thing? No. Waste. Is a big problem. Now waste is not what a lot of people think it is. Go with me over to to John. Actually I tell you what. uh, Go back to Matthew 26. For time's sake let's do it like this. We need our minds renewed about what waste is. I want to give you a definition the Lord gave me. Helps me. In Matthew 26, verse 7, you're familiar with this story. There came to Jesus a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat there at table at food. 
And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. And they said, to what purpose is this waste? We know from other accounts, Judas Iscariot was the most vocal one to vocalize this. But the other disciples agreed with him. They said, this is a terrible waste. Why? Verse 9, this ointment might have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. This is a terrible waste. And Jesus said, absolutely it is. Sister, what are you thinking? Haven't I taught you better than this? You know I don't go for all this expensive stuff and lavish stuff. What's wrong with you, dear? How many people believe that, though? How many people? Church-going people believe that instead of... How many church-going people are more in line with what Judas said on this than what Jesus said? You spent how much? On what? If we read the rest of this, we see... This alabaster box, in those days, spices, even salt and pepper, were traded like hard currency. They were so precious. Of course, come on, think about it. If you've eaten your meals without salt and pepper, and you get a hold of some, that changes your life, man. Right? And not only that, Somebody's got some cinnamon. Somebody's got some peppers. Oh man, you're experiencing things on your taste buds you've never experienced before. And ointments, balms, things that, that made you smell good. They, they had to be imported from other countries. And, and back then you, just, you didn't put it on UPS or FedEx. I mean, it was <laughs> a lot of stuff that you had shipped. It's supposed to show up in about six months. A lot of it never showed up at all. It just never came. And you never heard from them again. So when some did come, it was rare and precious and valuable. And the Bible said she had a box of pure nard. And we figure from, depending on how you do the math and the currency and the price of gold and what an average laborer's pay was per day, per month, per year, somewhere around $10,000, maybe $20,000. And she takes this and breaks it and dumps it on his feet. (laughs) And he's going to smell real good for a while. And that's it. How many people would probably agree if they hadn't read this passage that that's a waste? How many people could you feed for $20,000? That's a waste. Right? <laughs> I'm seeing funny looks across the crowd. People are like, yeah, that's a waste. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say, verse 10? Jesus, when he understood what they were saying, he said, why are you bothering that woman? She has wrought a good work on me. This is a good thing she's done. You leave her alone. In fact, he went on to say, everywhere this gospel is preached, what she did is going to be told. You and I are talking about it tonight, all these years later. 
What she did seemed so wasteful to so many. Jesus said it's not a waste. It's a good thing. You can't waste money doing what the Lord told you to do. No. The Lord tells you to do something. You do it the very best you know how. Come on, are you listening? You can't spend too much money on it. You know where the waste is? Doing stuff he never told you to do. That's a total waste. I don't care how good of an idea it is. Who thought it was a good plan? If he didn't tell you to do it, it's a total waste. And that's a tie-in to why surplus isn't there. Involvements he didn't direct. Things he didn't lead to do. Expenses, bills, commitments. It would do us good, saints, to sit down and look at everything we've got. Everything we're paying. Everything we're doing. Every due. Every bill. Every involvement. I don't care if you've done it for 30 years. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if somebody else wants to do it. Make yourself look at it hard and ask yourself, did the Lord... Direct me to do this. Did he direct us to do this? And if we'll be open. We'll begin to get a revelation. And what if we eliminated all the waste? What if we gathered up the fragments? Reckon we might have 12 baskets. (laughs) Somebody say thank you Lord. (laughs) Here this lady does an extremely lavish thing. And even Jesus' closest followers said, that's a total waste. Basically he said, it is not. You leave her alone. That's a good thing she did. Why? Obviously it was something she believed the Lord directed her to do. It was something that was in her heart. It was faith. It was love. But here, the young son, the prodigal, the Lord didn't tell him to go where he went. Get involved with who he got involved with. Do what he did. And the Bible said he wasted all his money. And then what happened? He began to be in want. He's not experiencing God's best. He's not experiencing enough or more than enough. He's experiencing lack. And whose fault is it? He wasted it. He wasted it. Pray with me right now. Just close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God. Open our eyes to what you call waste. Help us to see the way you see. Think like you think about these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. I like overflow. How about you? I'm not going to settle and, and say, well, it's just God's will for us to be tight all the time. I'm not, I'm not going to accept that. And if we don't have surplus, I'm going to look at me. Hmm? I'm going to say, Lord, show, show us. What do we need to change? 
What's going on here? Number one, am I putting him first? Number two, am I obeying him? You know, I check up on myself continuously. The Lord reminded me of it today that he taught me this and I do it without thinking. But he prompted me. He said, a lot of people are not doing this. In Proverbs 3, look here and then I'll explain. Proverbs 3, 5, 3, 5, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Should we be head directed or heart directed? How many people you think are being head directed in this world? A whole lot of folks. And we got to train ourselves not to be. He didn't say don't use your head. Just don't let your head lead you. And when you make the decision, you make that based on, I don't know what you got in your head, but what you got in your heart. Use your head. He gave you a mind. He gave you a brain. Find out what you can. Think about it. Analyze it. Scrutinize it. Ponder it. Look at it. But when it gets time to make the decision, what do you go by? Not your logic and your list of pros and cons and your percentages and your stats and figures. No, no. What do you make the decision about? You make it based on what you have in here. And again and again, it'll be different than the choice you'd have made going by this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Verse 6. Read those four words out loud. Those first four. In all your way. Now what would that mean? Do you think that's from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed? Every In all your ways, do what? Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do you believe if he's directing your paths, if you're doing what he's directing you to do, is he going to provide for that? Is he going to take care of that? Yes, he is. He's not obligated to fund just anything you and I decide to do. There's some really good answers here. Just in the next few minutes, let's get them. The Lord ministered to me while I was preparing today that there are a lot of folks who have hurt. They've experienced loss and they've hurt financially and materially. And there have been some real big questions. And there's even some folks that have gotten annoyed at the Lord. They did everything they knew. How to pray. How to believe. They even sowed seed. And they did it under duress and under pressure of about to lose things. About to lose their business. About to lose their car. About to lose their house. And people have lost stuff. Past tense. Already lost it. And the Lord spoke to my heart today. Don't look at the end. Look at the beginning. Say it out loud. Look at the beginning. There have been many times where God's people have desperately tried to salvage something they should have never been in to start with. The Lord didn't direct them to get it. 
He didn't direct them to do it. Are you listening to me saints? So then when it starts going bad. And people just focus on believing God. To make this turn out right. Well you're already really late on it. Because the truth is. You shouldn't even be into it. You're trying to get him to bail out something. That if you'd listen to him. You'd have never done. In all your ways, do what? Sit out loud. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And then what would happen? You believe you could count on him that if you would do that first part, he will do that last part. You believe you can count on him. And what the Lord dealt with me about was to, to remind you. And if you hadn't been doing it, encourage you to start doing it. I check myself regularly. Did the Lord tell me to do that? Did he tell me to do it? Okay, he told me to do that, but now did he tell me to do that? You got to watch about filling in the blank. Yeah, he told me to do that last time, but did he direct me to do the same thing this time? You remember David, a man after God's own heart? One of the things he did continuously, the Bible said, was he inquired of the Lord. And then it would say he inquired again of the Lord. Then he acquired yet again. Some of the same battle tactics and things like the Philistines had come. And he inquired of the Lord the last three times. And the Lord said, yeah, go, I'm with you. You'll defeat him. And he did. But when the Philistines came back, he still, even though it looks like an exact same situation, he would inquire of the Lord every time. And it's a good thing because one time he said, no, don't go out against them. This time, go around behind them. And wait till you hear me moving in the bushes. Now what if he hadn't inquired. And just blazed out like he had. And lost a battle. And they're going to say I don't understand. The Lord's been with me all these other times. Why wasn't he with me this time? You didn't ask him this time. You assumed. You presumed. You didn't ask. Somebody say you didn't ask. Not asking can open the door for untold heartache and problems and loss. And then when things, the pressure starts bearing down and the trouble comes, people start going, God, why won't you help me? Why won't you help me? Well, he's never been in it. It was never his will for you to do it. You didn't ask him to start with. (laughs) I don't mean that I second guess myself all the time. I just double check. It's kind of like flying airplanes. A lot of times I'll check four or five times to make sure the gear is down and locked before I land. Because if you don't, it makes those awful metallic scraping sounds. (laughs) And then you can't fly the plane for a long time. Do you know there are thousands of people who have landed with the gear up? Thousands. I had an instructor tell me one time. He said, there are those that have and those that will. Every time he said it under my breath, I said, no, I will never land an airplane with the gear up. I will never, by the grace of God. And I haven't, and by his grace, I won't. But it doesn't hurt. I like seeing those three green lights shining at me. (laughs) I was flying with a guy a while, uh, this has been months ago, and uh, I said, 
we're getting close to touchdown. I said, three green, no red, down in luck. He said, yes, for the fifth time. (laughs) But I like that better than being wrong one time. How about that, right? And yeah, I guess you could go overboard with anything. But I've just seen, you know, I'm human. I don't know everything. And, you know, like I believe the Lord directed us to start this church down here in Sarasota. Just like I believe he directed us to start the one in Branson. But I don't want to assume anything. I'm continually looking to see, okay, is the Lord confirming that? Is he in that? I believe he said do it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to look for his confirmation. I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to get ahead of him. I don't want to fill in the blanks. I don't want to presume or assume because if I do, I can get myself and you in a situation where we're unfunded, we're struggling, and then people get into this pleading and begging God, oh, please, God, help us, but you're, all, you're late. You should have asked him before you ever started this. Now, he's merciful. He's so merciful. But at the same time, he can't allow us to just abandon his plan and substitute our goofy plan and him 100% fund it like it's his plan. He's not going to do that. I said he's not going to do that. And he shouldn't do that. Should he? He shouldn't do it. So I'm continuously checking myself. Some people have thought I was funny and, and why do you wait and why do you check things so many times that's why because if I can get it right to start with I'm not going to have problems with the rest of it if I will acknowledge him in it and get it right from him the first time I'm not going to have to beg and plead and wrestle to try to get the needs met on it or to try to get it done or try to get it finished because it was his idea to start with you don't have to try to talk him in to taking care of something that he thought of say it again in all your ways acknowledge him and what will happen Let me say it again. Beware of assuming. Oh, this will be all right. And some people, the way they pray about stuff. Well, you ought to pray about that. Yeah, okay. They go aside and go, hmm, hmm, hmm. Run, die, shun, die, untie my bow tie. He said it'd be okay. They never heard from the Lord. They never got quiet enough, still enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be okay. Yeah, well, you know, that'd have to be God. Sure, sure. You know God won't that? Assuming. Presuming. Oh sure it'd be fine for us to do that. Did you ask? Did you check? Because if you don't. You got the door open for problems. Tell me the scripture. In. All. What does that mean? Everything. Big thing. Little thing. I don't care if you're going to go over and shop for something at the store. Check your heart. Should you be over there or should you be at the house doing something else? I'm just going to get this. Just check your heart. How long does it take? Check your heart. Just check. Ask. Look. And if you'll do this, it'll turn into a lifestyle. And you'll just be checking. You'll be checking in with the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives inside you 24-7, doesn't he? He's in there all the time. 
I'm not talking about trying to hear voices or see visions, but you can just have a witness. You can have a witness or you can have a check and you learn to pay attention to that. Now, if you've made some mistakes, hey, so have I. So is everybody sitting behind you and in front of you and on both sides. Huh? But the Lord is merciful. What's the important thing? Let's don't repeat our mistakes. Let's learn. And let's quit moving so fast. And let's just quit doing things because somebody had an idea or something crossed our mind. Or Let's check. Let's ask in all our ways. Acknowledge him. Go with me over to Proverbs. Can you take just another verse or two? Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't a lot of God's people have surplus? Well, having covered the other things, this is a reason. The enemy, he's always trying to steal from you. You know what Jesus said? He's coming to steal, kill and destroy. And just as surely as God blesses you because you're putting him first and sowing where he says sow and doing some things he said do, just as sure as you get some extra come in, the enemy's going to be right there to try to steal it away from you before you do something good with it. Or before you invest it and God's able to prosper you more, some kind of thing. And so you'll find that either through pressure or temptation or somebody else coming and saying they got to have it and and they need it right now or, or all kind of things. Do you know you're supposed to be led with family too? Yeah, but it's my sister, it's my brother. Yeah, but you better ask the Lord. And if he says no, what should you do? Don't give it to them. I don't care how much they cry. I don't care how much they pull the sibling card. I'm your older sister. I'm your baby brother. You going to not help me? I'm your grandchild. In all, all. Can you see people do stuff not even pray about it? What's my baby? I got to. You better ask. You better pray. Because what happens? See, a lot of times the enemy's in stuff like that. And so just about time, you give it to them, and you don't know it yet, but it ain't going to help them. They're going to blow it, and they're going to need twice as much in a month from now. And then day after tomorrow, there's a situation where God wanted you to sow that seed, and now you're not going to have it. And so then also you're not going to have the harvest that would have come from that. I know folks don't like it disinvolved. They like to just say, can't I just give and make a confession? Everything be okay? <laughs> no, you actually have to pray every day and hear from God every day Amen. and follow him every day because you do have an enemy out there. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to trip you up. And if you don't pay attention and you get loose and you start doing stuff without praying and asking and checking, you're going to wind up wasting and losing. And when it comes in, Proverbs 27 talks about it. 27, 23. 27, 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Verse 24. For riches are not forever. Does the crown endure to every generation? Faith is not flying by the seat of your pants and not having a clue what's going on with your finances. I'm just going to believe it will be okay. 
Now you can't ignore these verses. You need to know exactly what's coming in, what's going out, what you owe, the interest, the principal. You need to be on top of your stuff. On top of it. You need to know. And verse 25. The hay appears. The tender grass shows itself. Herbs of the mountain are gathered. 26. Then he tells you when the results of you staying on top of your flocks and your herds and your crops happen. Then you also need to know what your harvest is for. He said your lambs now are for your clothing. And your goats are, in other words, they're for the price of the field. When money comes in, the Lord blesses you. Again, you need to inquire of the Lord. In all your ways, man, I've worked hard. I've made some money. I'm going to go buy myself something nice. Did you ask the Lord? (laughs) I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You better check in. Check in. Here he said, your lambs that you just got now, that's where you buy your clothes with that money. And your goats that you sold at the sale, that's where you're going to buy your new field. And you can expand now. If you'll listen to him, here comes some money. The Lord will deal with you. Okay, you tithe, you give your offering first. Now what do you do? Well, pay your bills. Take care of this, take care of that. A lot of times it's not what your flesh wants to do. Your flesh says, hey, I've worked hard all week. I deserve something. (laughs) Well, if you waste it, then it won't be on the right thing. I know. A lot of folks don't like to hear things like this. They think, I need to go to another church. (laughs) They can just tell me, hey, everything's God's will and we don't understand it. I go, right. There's just a lot happening and nobody knows. That's easier to be an ignorant baby than to actually begin to grow up and take responsibility, learning how to pray, learning how to hear from the Lord, learning how to be led by the Spirit. Oh, but friend, babies don't get to enjoy things that full inheritors in the kingdom do. Those that are mature, because if you, what the Lord's talking to us about, saints, is getting you and me in a place, getting these churches in a place, getting these ministries, your businesses in a place where we have everything done and paid for. We're not wasting anything and we've got real surplus. We've got real surplus to do substantial kingdom work and to help people, feed people and bless people. Come on, are you listening, saints? Extra, not just somebody else, you. You and me, do you believe it's God's will to get you, you, to a place you've never been before? I said a place you've never been before. (laughs) Everything you got's paid for. It don't take much to run you because all your stuff is paid for and done. Glory to God. And you've eliminated all the waste. And now you just got more and more. It's accumulating in your God account. It's just piling up. Glory to God. And then when the Lord deals with you, take care of that. It's $200,000. And you go, can I? And you go, yeah. Yeah, check my account. 212000 I can do it. I'm talking about you. 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 Take care of that. Do this. Do that. Go over there and take care of this. God 
needs people like you and me that will obey him and get to a place where he can use us like this. Stand on your feet. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Close your eyes. Let's just lift our hands. Praise him and thank him for a moment or two. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we give you glory and praise. Pray it out loud, then I want us to pray in the Spirit, Son, by faith. Say it out loud, forgive me, Lord, for not asking you, not checking with you, or not listening to you on any things, any situations. I know lack, problems, loss is not your will. You didn't do it to me. It's not your plan. I believe you're my good father. And you only want the best for me. And surplus. More than enough. 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 Hallelujah. Help me to pray. Sit out loud. Help me to pray. About today and the coming days, the changes, the decisions. I'm inquiring of you, O oh Lord. I'm asking you to show me, make it clear to me, your will, your plan, your desire in every area. Now pray in the Spirit, son. Hallelujah. Now you need to pray this and you need to mean it with all your heart. Have faith said out loud. I am forgiven. There's no condemnation. No guilt. No shame. And my good God is the restorer of that which is stolen. That which the grasshopper and the locust and the canker worms have eaten up, that which has been stolen, that which I have lost, my God is more than enough for better, above, and beyond, better than before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes and praise Him some more. No condemnation. Come on, don't let things pull you down now. Every, all of us have made mistakes and missed it and didn't ask or didn't check. The Lord's not holding that against us. He forgives us. Even if it was a large sum, don't let that bug you. That's not big to God. He's able to give you much more than that. Much more than that. Much more than that. Better than before. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge 
by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.